Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figure Studios, it is Weekend Geek Updates. Smurf here, ready to enlighten you, fill you in on the things that are going on around the Geekverse that have caught my eye, including my take on a few shows and stuff that uh, that has bothered me, that I need to get off my chest, and I want to share it with you, because you, all of you, are my closest friend. <laughs> uh, we are sponsored by Susie Q's, who is actually organizing the Outworld Bazaar. It is an an awesome little opportunity to come spend a Sunday with us at Outworld, set up your wares, or just come and hang out, have mimosas, a little brunch at Outworld. We are accepting applications right now for vendors we have a facebook event page that you can check out the event happens sunday november 14th and is running 11 a.m to 2 p.m so come hang out uh suzy will have a table set up with all of her jewelry and fantastic items in addition to maybe you you can come and set up and be part of the action or sit along the sidelines and watch whatever shenanigans that i decide to pull after having way too many mimosas uh, Red will be there, I think. Yeah, I think Red said she's uh, uh, she's on, and that's good. Any time to get Red out and about is worth the trip. So check out our Facebook page, Outworld Bazaar, November 14th, and apply for a vendor table. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Uh, what else is going on? So this week, there's there's been some interesting turn turn of events. First of all, right out of the gate yesterday, we get the Venom trailer, and holy balls, that was absolutely awesome. So I had I had some reservations. I know, go figure. And I wasn't really sure if I was totally on board for the 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 maximum carnage let's let's call it what it is and i'm just i'm like eh. and then how it ended because they made woody harrelson just look like an absolute dweeb with the 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 ridiculous hair and it just it it didn't set well with me and then i saw the first trailer which let's face it did nobody any favors the bad cop kind of nonsense that it was and you know one is the loneliest number playing in the background and Eddie Brock down on his luck kind of story was was a little overplayed and I was just like this is this is boring and then this wonderful trailer that opened my eyes to just how creative this might actually be um and and I'm I'm I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but I'm totally in. I I think this looks to be... I mean, at least they cleaned up Woody Harrelson's um, appearance. So he looks a little bit more scary as a psychopath versus just plain right out Joker-ass crazy. And that's kind of what I was getting from the first you know, ending of the film from last time. And I wasn't really impressed with the 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 other venom film i don't want to be known as a purist however i do have certain expectations when it comes to 
characters, histories, and storylines. And Venom is so interwoven into Spider-Man's history, it's kind of hard to tell the story of one without the other, especially when you you look at the whole reason Venom is Venom is because of Spidey. It, it, and I know there's a lot of history there, and you kind of have to look past it. And, and maybe I did a little bit just for for the sake of watching the first Venom, and it was it was passable. It it was it was okay, but this chose to be a little bit more promising. And I'm I'm kind of uh, I wouldn't say sold on the idea, but I'm definitely ready to to watch this film given what we saw from the trailer and how they're kind of bringing in carnage is creative enough that i'm like okay and then they showed some of the clip and just the absolute destruction and i don't want to use the air quotes of carnage but it really it really shows just what sony wants to do and maybe they've got an idea maybe they've got a plan and i know sony's been dying to get a franchise of their own that everybody wants of course this isn't theirs this is still marvel's property so they can't do whatever with it i don't know i'm not sure how the gray area with this all works but the the visuals um look great woody harrelson absolutely just steals the the show and I know, I know, I hate to say that, and and maybe, maybe that's what we needed. I mean, maybe Venom needed Carnage, just like you know, anytime a Batman film doesn't have Joker in it, you're kind of like, well, that that was lame. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like again another symbiote joke, but maybe they need the other to to survive. You know, one is is dependent on the other. It's hard to say, but. We do get some glimpses of other characters, um, which I'm thinking is Shriek. I don't know, especially if it's Maximum Carnage and how they're going to bring in Siren. And there's so many other symbiotes out there. And I'm really... Okay, my curiosity is, is perked. I'm really... I'm in. And I know that probably isn't the best thing to say, but... Uh, the trailer, the trailer sold me, and I do like how they got the 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 Carnage symbiote in Chaos Cassidy in in Woody Harrelson's character, just because it was kind of funny actually. And and, and Tom Hardy, I, God love him, he just keeps coming back to do more. And I, I'm I, I've always been a fan since the Tudors. Let's face it, it's probably one of his best performances out there. I know everyone right away says Bane, but I'm I'm really sold on him as. Uh, King Henry VIII and um, or whenever the which King Henry it was but during the Tudors it was a fun show and I enjoyed the hell out of it and I enjoyed his performance so we'll see what he has in store for us this time as Eddie Brock and we'll 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 keep our fingers we'll keep our fingers crossed yeah Oh, uh, what else is going on? The uh, Batch Pat. Blah, 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 blah. Let's try that again. The Bad Batch Stormtroopers kind of um, get a throwback this week in the episode with Ralph McQuarrie's designs. We kind of in an interesting area for Star Wars and the Clone Wars and and the Bad Batch as we go towards New Hope, and we start seeing the 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 
the rise of the regular can't hit shit stormtroopers and it's kind of interesting to see how they get there the questions that i'm arriving to are however where are all the clones disappearing to i mean are they just systematically being eliminated or shut off can you can you turn off a clone I mean, it's it's just really strange, or they're just stretched out so far across the galaxy. It's a, I'm curious to see, and I maybe we'll get the answer to this: where the rest of the clones are, and and we very well could. However, this week we do kind of see a throwback to some original designs that Ralph McQuarrie's uh, concept art consisted of when he designed the stormtroopers from way back in the day for George Lucas and everything else. So this week in War Mantle, the the clones, the bad batch storm this they storm the castle. Um and it's actually kind of fun cuz it's a, a, an empire's base uh, and there's so many other things going on. They do rescue Gregor who we do know from Clone Wars and uh Rebels as one of the good guys he's kind of a cool character i actually like gregor he's fun even with his weird accent that they gave him um nonetheless it's it's cool to see this evolution the different phases of course we saw this with the clones armor themselves as they started out in one particular look to kind of slowly evolve into what we would later come to know as our current stormtroopers and they do make the 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 note that the clones are the army of the republic and the republic doesn't exist anymore so they do drive this point home they do make you realize that the clones days are numbered and as they move forward with this empire uh we see the end of the clones and now all the other systems as part of loyalty will send part of their civilians off to become stormtroopers. So it's it, it's very cool to see them give this kind of um, homage and credit to the fans, this little Easter egg, and it, Filoni just, again, hits the cheap seats. But there were a couple of things that I was like, okay, what's, what's going on? Because for sure, I am absolutely sold on this, that Scourge was running around with these guys in the new base and the new stormtroopers because I was total Scourge is like one of my favorite stormtroopers out of one of the video games from back in the day and I love the look of the character the design and I swear to god it's him it absolutely has to be Scourge of course I think he got thrown down the shaft so he's 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 kaput I think I don't know, but it was very reminiscent of Republic Commandos, and I loved that game to pieces. I played the living shit out of that game, and to see him kind of in the Clone Wars or Bad Batch is is it's a it's a little little heartwarming. I'm like, oh, I remember you. Wanted so much more from you. Didn't get to see shit. It's okay. Um, where this goes for. Bad Batch, I don't know how many episodes we have left. I know we're kind of approaching in on uh, what would feel like the end of the season. I think we're close to around 12 episodes now. Uh, and I don't know how much more they've got in the tank for season one. I'm sure they're coming back for season two. I know it started off rocky, but it's doing better than what 
uh, a lot of the the fans expected. There is that that rough start. It always seems that they get a little rough out of the gate, and then once they hit their stride and they get going and they get the chance to tell stories, it's it's not as bad as you think. And that's always encouraging, right, from the Star Wars fan perspective, because we don't have much of else of anything going on until we get Book of Boba and. Mandalorian's not coming back till next year, I've heard. So um, this is kind of fun. But check out this week's uh, Bad Batch with the uh, War Mantle. It's very, very cool. I kind of dug it. Uh, also, in speaking with the Star Wars thing, and the <laughs> the um, Disney Plus guys are at it again as they add an animated Lego Star Wars special, which is coming to Disney Plus uh, for all its streaming and all of its streaming services uh, for the Halloween lineup this fall. It's titled Lego Star Wars: Terrifying Tales. Uh, the special is directed by Ken Cunningham, who previously helmed the 2020 Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, which was cute it was fun um it it was it was a mishmash of just about everything it felt like a video game come to life for me and it was it was enjoyable it was sure as fuck better than the the holiday special from way back in the day which i was very happy not to see again uh also returning for the from the holiday special are the voice actors jake green uh as poe dameron uh trevor duvall as the emperor palpatine and matt sloan as Darth vader who is just perfect the, the i get an immense kick out of everything the story reads as um terrifying tales picks up after the event of 2019 star wars revenge of skywalker it's a plot synopsis reads as poe and bb8 must make an emergency landing on a volcanic planet mustafar where they meet the greedy and conniving rebilla the hut who has purchased darth vader's castle and is renovating in, into the galaxy's first all-inclusive Sith-inspired luxury hotel. There's a horror hotel you definitely don't want to go to. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, and, of course, lots of creepiness ensues from there, so we'll see how it turns out, but it's, it's Lego and it's Star Wars. Do you need anything else? Nah, not really. Uh, other stories that have caught my eye. One was, okay, so this was something that I was kind of waiting to see how it turned out because I didn't bring this up, but uh, Taika Watiti was quoted saying he was interested in creating a Flash Gordon animated movie. And evidently he's been heavily influenced by Flash Gordon, because that's what he watched when he was a kid, in a lot of his his works. And if you didn't notice it in the last Loki, or not last Loki, last Thor film, um, it definitely shined through, especially with all the colors, and it did feel very reminiscent of uh, Flash Gordon. Now Love and Thunder definitely feels like Flash Gordon. But now Taika Waititi has gone on to say uh, the movie that they had planned to make animated is now going to be live action. And I'm absolutely, I don't know how to feel about this. There are certain things that I don't want messed with. And I know that now is not the day and age to try to hold on to anything like that. But I, I, I don't know if you can improve upon the travesty and the train wreck that is the original Flash Gordon film, especially with the Queen soundtrack. And everybody that has gone 
on to superstardom from that that movie. Uh, of course, Taika wants to base this on the Flash Gordon comic strip from the 1930s, which was drawn by Alex Raymond. And uh, he is the one to just kind of put this all together and uh also he uh alex raymond was also part of buck rogers back in the day so to see them try and do this i guess will be interesting i don't know do you do you do if you go off the comic book i mean in the cartoon strip that's kind of cool but i mean you can't remake that film because it was so tongue-in-cheek and so just over-the-top ridiculous even the music not given queen's performance but like even just like the regular soundtrack and the instrumental that goes behind it as the the hawkman comes swooping into the city and just it, it was just so nuts that i just i don't know what 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 they need to do um i guess hollywood has been trying to relaunch the flash ip uh since the character references that were made in ted and uh they just have had an itching to try and bring this back i don't know if that's going to necessarily work in their favor but taika watiti being involved in this is absolutely the only saving grace. Um, he's writing it, and I have a feeling not only will he write this, but he will direct this. So when he gets a free moment from DC, from Marvel, and everything else that he's got going on, that we may see this much sooner than later, because I, I think that this is probably more of a labor of love, be it. I, I just want to see who they got to have play Ming. Because Ming the Merciless is just so, so good. And I don't think you can... Again, all the characters are just too too good to, to replace. We'll see. We'll see what happens. More of this will come out, I'm sure, as uh, news breaks. And I'm sure as we see more of the press junkets for Thor, Love, and Thunder. Because now that everybody kind of has got, you know, Flash Gordon in the water, like, ooh, tell us more. <laughs> yes, you can learn more by clicking below. Uh, just moving on. Just kidding. What else? So, oh, this was kind of strange, and I'm not sure uh, how this plays into the rest of the world, uh, but Blizzard president J. Allen Breck steps down and um, will be pursuing other opportunities. Uh, evidently, he is out the door. He's been there since 2018 and has decided to part ways with Blizzard. Not a whole lot of information is going on as far as why or what's what's the reason behind the departure. But it does follow in the wake of an ongoing protest against the company's work culture due to several ag- allegations of sexual harassment discrimination. Uh, Brack will be pre- re- be replaced by Jen O'Neill and Mike Yabra, Yarba, yeah. Uh, so they'll be the co-leaders moving forward with Blizzard. That's very um, interesting. So no charges or anything filed against Jay, but doesn't mean that given the kind of allegations and everything that's going on, um. That you won't, you won't see it. But 
we'll we'll see. Um, I don't think this is going to affect Blizzard in any way, or BlizzCon, or any of the properties that are going on over on that side. And if anything, we may just see morale pick up to have people want to, you know, do do some more do some more work. I mean, especially if it's a hostile sexual harassment environment, that's that's no good. That is no good. But we'll see. But it's just kind of an interesting story that just kind of came out of the blue. I hadn't even heard that there were rumblings of problems going on over at Blizzard. So uh, makes sense, I guess. We'll see what happens and what more develops. Also in this week's eye-catching stuff was um, <laughs> there was... <laughs> I know, and it just seems strange, but evidently this question was posed to the internet of who would be worthy to wield Thor's hammer. And um, the viral question, in fact, verbatim, what character do you think would be worthy of wielding Mjolnir? Uh, Led to many spirited debates, and one of them landed on Calvin and Hobbes, Bill Watterson's masterful creation uh, of a little boy and his stuffed tiger. Now, lately, I have been totally invested in these two guys simply because Bloom County has added them to canon. So there was a quest for them to find Calvin. We couldn't find Calvin. Hobbs, we knew where he was. And somehow Hobbs replaced Bill the Cat in the ongoing comic strip Bloom County on Facebook. So it was, it's been the quest to find out where Calvin is and what's going on, and to reunite the two. We do see a conclusion to the story, and how this proceeds moving forward, I'm very curious to see. The comic strip, however, on Facebook was was very cute, um, especially when you look at uh, what they ended up coming up with for <laughs> the answer. And as you can probably expect, I don't want to ruin it for you, but uh, cartoonist Lar D'Souza is the individual who did the mashup for this and has done a lot of other mashups for comic book characters, the Peanuts, and uh, it's, it's very playful. It's very cool. Go and check it out. And uh, I don't want to ruin the the surprise, but I think the loser did a fabulous job with with that story. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, yeah, there you go. Sorry, I just had to break in with that just because I thought it was absolutely spectacular. Uh, what else has caught my eye this week? Uh, that um, about. Well, there's a couple things left. My take on a couple of things. I did, and I think it's time. First of all, I did watch Transformers Kingdom, the final installment of their their trilogy. And I also think it's time, because I rewatched all of Sweet Tooth again this weekend. And I think it's time to kind of do a spoiler-free kind of my take on Sweet Tooth. But first, let's talk about Transformers. And it, just the the rather lackluster kind of feel I walked away with from it. I mean, thank God it's not as bad as Troll Hunters or that kind of ending, but the characters are okay. And it's very strange. I don't... The time travel aspect of it is kind of wonky. And we do get the Maximals and the Predacons, and that is kind of cool, but it's not... It's not to the effect that 
I think the fans will be happy. It was just kind of as a side note, and it really struck me odd as I watched these last few episodes that they couldn't get it right, like what characters were there and were not there. Like suddenly we we get, you know, uh, 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 the interjection of one Autobot, and then all of a sudden he's just gone. We have no idea, no explanation. He's just not standing there. Everyone else is gathered around. But that one character's not. <laughs> and then there's a couple of other characters that are just suddenly just gone. They show up at the end. But what, you, you, you kind of stand there and wonder, like, what's, what, what? And I don't know from the standpoint of the legal side. Maybe some of the characters are only available for so long. But it took almost four or five episodes to even for them to use Dinobot's name. So, I, again... Was it they didn't have the licensing up until the moment that they could say his name? Because they introduced all the other characters' names. They used they identified them all, and they moved forward. But they just left Dinobot very ambiguous for, like, four episodes. And you're like, well, you're going to use the guy's name? I mean, I knew who he was, but from the, the, the standpoint of a storyteller and a, a first-time viewer, that was frustrating. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Just, just what the hell? Just, hey, you. You over there. Come here. <laughs> I I just scratched my head and just kind of like, okay. Uh, overall, the the three segmented story arcs are, are decent, are good. And it's nice to see the characters back in action. And it, you know, kind of warms the hearts of the fans everywhere. And the toy line that has complemented this endeavor has been very impressive. I, in fact, I'm now on the hunt for um, a couple of characters, and one of them being, well, very expensive and probably the price of a statue. But I can't, I can't deny, I can't, I can't say no to him. Uh, yeah, I'll let you guess. He's big. He's really big. He's like the size of a planet. <laughs> Uh, and I'm thinking about picking him up, but it's only after watching this series that it does raise more questions. And I do think that there will be more coming for these Transformers. I, um, we do kind of see a break from the, the story as we know it, as we the fans grew up with, at least as far as the war on Cybertron. It comes to a very interesting conclusion. So I I don't know what that harkens for for the Transformers now. If it's going to be, um, uh, I don't. It, it's very frustrating because you don't know what they're going to do. If we're going to see more, but uh, I don't. I don't know because we're left with the that Unicron is still alive and Unicron is the big bad and he still exists. Galvatron is still out there. Uh, so is Nemesis Prime. And there's a lot of elements that are just kind of left dangling as low hanging fruit that would lead to another series for the Transformers. The art, the animation, everything about the series has been great. I, I've enjoyed the uh, just the feel and, and reliving some of the gloriness of all that was Transformers from back in the day. It, it paid it perfect justice. It just was a little clunky in the storytelling and how we got to 
a resolution for this. I don't think that they thought it all the way through, and that's disappointing, especially when you also have voice actors out there that could come back and take over these roles. Because I really... Optimus Prime never really... never like gripped me um there were a couple other characters that i was just like okay it's it's fine but all in all it just i think they need to slow down and tell the story a little bit better maybe a little bit more development and just kind of figure out who's doing what what specific characters are in the role of doing different things because it's just like it, they would focus on one for just a little bit and then you just see them in the background. They hardly ever did anything after their their one their one big moment and that was it. They just focused on on Prime. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I think you could be a little bit more creative with the whole arsenal of the Transformers behind you. And we never got the Dinobots, which is another miss in my opinion. I think that that would have been a spectacular ad. Somehow bringing in Grimlock and the boys would have made sense. But since we didn't get to that part in time, I don't know if we will get the Dinobots now. Because evidently they're not coming to Earth and Cybertron is going to be A-OK. With Unicron floating out in space waiting to come and munch us them yeah you know what i'm talking about um <laughs> uh, just a thought just just saying uh what else oh uh if you are interested the walking dead is available for free streaming uh, all 10 seasons now so you can get geared up as we go into season 11, which is this month. It's coming around the corner. In fact, it should be premiering August 15th. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about the end of The Walking Dead, but we'll see what they do. The trailers that we've seen so far are very creepy and very... Um, very intense. I'm I, I'm liking how this is going down a very dark road. Nobody gets out alive. Kind of feeling that they're placing on it, and I think it is. I think at the end, The Walking Dead. Nobody should make it out alive. I really don't. In fact, I my money is the majority of everyone. Even like the poster that they put up that has like all of the major characters. Most of these characters are gone now, um, and. I'm I'm just like okay. So who who makes it out alive? I think the only one probably that would make sense would be Daryl, and I don't even think Carol's going to make it out. Michonne may or may not return. Who knows? Kind of you know the white white knight on the horse. Will we see Rick come back? I mean we don't even know what's going on with the film. So there's so many pieces that are floating about when it comes to dealing with the the Walking Dead that. Um, well, we shall see, but um, we'll see. Netflix is the uh, the pay subscription to see all of The Walking Dead in its entirety, uh, which means probably about you want to watch up to about when Negan shows up and then just wait for the final final season. You're not going to miss much. Trust me. Oh, what else? Oh, da, 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 da. Um, I guess that kind of brings me to... My take on Sweet Tooth. Now, Sweet Tooth, I'm, I've waited this long, and I'm going to do my best to not give you any spoilers. The comic book-based series that Netflix has put together has, has done something that I, I, I didn't know 
I didn't know what to expect because it's a comic book and it's it's really an obscure comic book. In fact, uh, um, I I was surprised that it was even created and um, brought brought to the forefront. Robert Downey Jr. and his wife do a phenomenal job with this as executive producers. And I don't know if it's they who brought this to Netflix's attention or they just somehow ended up part of it. I've raved about Robert Downey Jr. and his wife's previous project, which was Perry Mason on HBO. And that noir series was so good and hit the right notes on just about everything, explaining a character that has a fondness for for everyone's heart and it told us a story about a character that we thought we knew and it expanded so brilliantly on that premise so to have robert downey jr and his wife again hit gold the way they have with this story telling is absolutely just inspiring jeff lemire is the author um for sweet tooth and it was a vertigo series back in the day uh, from DC, and it was it was a very obscure title. I, to be honest with you, I didn't read many issues. I, I'm I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> I I had a lot already on my plate. I was already working on so many different series, and it just seemed so obtuse that I I didn't think I'm sure I would get it, but I didn't want to invest into some other weird kid looking like a deer all right so it's mutants okay moving on little did i know how much has gone into this series and and now i'm actually thinking i want to go back and read the comics i I really am seriously thinking about picking up the trades and i've always liked like jeff lemire's writing he's a very talented author he's come up with some spectacular Stories. In fact, he's got a new comic um, coming out. I think it's Primordial. Primordial? Yes. Um, coming out, I know that they are taking solicitations right now. If you wanted to get on, on another series of him, and um, I, I'm seriously saying you probably should. But there's just what we saw in Sweet Tooth, and there's more to it than just, yes, the kid looks like a deer. And how they deal with this mystery and everything that's going on with the story is absolutely stupendous. The, the, the pacing of the story, the character development, everybody involved in this show, um, even Will Forte, who, you know, I've never really taken much as a serious actor. I've always just kind of like, okay, it's, it's Will Forte, you know, just kind of one of those Swiss Army Knife kind of actors. The performance he puts forth is 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 endearing. You just really just feel heartbroken um, with his character. In fact, all of these characters, you find the attachment almost in, immediately, um, especially when you're dealing with Gus and um, Big Man, Tommy, Tommy Jepp, who are just casted perfectly. I mean, I like I said, I don't have a whole lot of reference when it comes to the comic, but when you see these guys on the screen and their performance that they're putting forth, you can't not but help instantly attached to these characters. The heart in which they deliver the the 
the characterization is is absolutely inspiring. And it could be the mixture of great writing. It could be a certain level of skill. But Gus, the kid that's playing him, um, is is a talented little shit. Holy crap. And you just get the feeling that you want this kid to succeed. You want you're not waiting for a bad thing. You're hoping that he gets away. You're hoping that he makes the connection. You're hoping that everything falls in line for this kid. Now, here's the premise of the story. The apocalypse has kind of happened. There are a lot of real world stories going on right now inside this series with the pandemic, with the virus, and this deals directly with um, a viral apocalypse as the human race is culled literally from the earth. And in a very interesting response, the instant that the normal civilization starts to fall off, these hybrids are born. They're brought into existence. So it, it's almost simultaneously, but no one knows which is the cause of which. They know that there's some kind of connection. They know that they are the answer to what is going on as far as the virus, but nobody has been able to figure it out. And of course, as normal humans start to slowly dwindle in population, the the hybrids are more dominant. But... Now they're being hunted. They're being persecuted. They're being taken out by other factions, other people. There, There's, um, of course, a lot of anger. There's a lot of fear, and they deal very intricately with this fear. There's a community, and it kind of reminds me of, like, The Walking Dead as far as this one culture or this one community bands together. Um, it just very seems very governorish, very, very... Walking Dead, as these people shelter in place and and fear the world around them, and rightfully so, people are dropping like flies. The virus is is you know kicking in again. They think another wave is coming. They're preparing for the worst. And then there's this other community that we end up coming across in the travels, and we get introduced to the character Bear, who basically is running the Lost Boys from Peter Pan. Uh, it's a community of kids just running around. And of course, they're all somehow plugged in. They have, you know, video games. They have a very, um, a very lost boys kind of mentality of running their community. And Bear, of course, is the leader of this group. And they're all about nature. They're all about the, the hybrids and making sure that they are safe and they hate adults. Rightfully so. The, they're, they're the reason... For everything that has gone wrong, they they had their shot, they messed it up, and they think that they're the answers. And they keep saying that. The kids are the answers. The children are our future. But from what I've seen, it's very interesting because uh, no, it doesn't seem like anyone's having kids. And if everyone is worried about the kids being hybrids, all of a sudden the, you know, humans are got, you know, their days are numbered. If you don't continue to reproduce... And the virus is taking out clumps of people. That that's a problem. So there's different things that are in place, different societies, different um, eh, hierarchies. I guess is the best best way to put it. The government itself seems kind of there, like it's in place, but it's nomadic rules, nomadic law, and there's uh, there's one superpower group that's in play that seems to be calling all of the shots. Now, whether or not the government is involved or what the 
stasis of the rest of the planet is kind of remains the same. And it reminds me a lot of Why the Last Man, which I'm very curious now to see how that series will turn out now after seeing this one, because there are a lot of similarities in how they approach the the apocalypse, because in Why the Last Man, all of the men on the planet are wiped out in in one fail swoop one night. Every male species is wiped out, is gone except for one guy and his monkey. <laughs> Got to have the monkey. So it's, it's another kind of like the end of the world. And there are some similarities that I can see with how, having read that comic, where a lot of the influences and a lot of ideas kind of mesh and cross the same roads. So what does that mean for this series? I don't know. And I love it. What, what, we, what we do know after, you know, a, like six, six in-depth episodes, or excuse me, eight, eight episodes, is just um, nothing is, is sacred, nothing is safe, and characters, characters are open game. What I really do love is the narration. The, you, you do get this very storyteller-esque environment and setting with James Brolin doing the intro and kind of narrating as the story progresses and giving it a little bit more of that gentle touch. And it is absolutely perfect. I mean, I couldn't imagine anyone better than James Brolin actually doing this voiceover because I was thinking about it the other day when I was watching this, just of how well-placed the voice the pacing, just how he does all of the reading for the narration as the story is going and time being the monster and time. I mean, there's one episode where it was just, wow, it, it really hit hard as you're watching these these people's lives fall apart and just how quickly individuals are turning on other ones as it in their mind it's the end of the world and it's every man for themselves and fear rules the day not not logic not reason not not dialogue fear and i think that's the underlining message of this whole series is do not let the fear beat you because as gus who should be the most scared out of everyone continues to push forward he continues to find the answers and he continues to be the most optimistic happy little child you could possibly imagine even though he knows at some point someone's going to want to take him catch him and put his head on a wall and literally that's what they tell him (laughs) and he's still out there he's still fighting the good fight and he refuses to give in to his fear and i think that that's a spectacular message in this series there's so many other messages and there's so many other underlining themes part of this family of course love yes understanding we all need it so the the driving force behind this series is absolutely brilliant it is a heavy watch each episode you're like whoa and i keep saying that i know you're probably wondering why i keep going whoa but it really is it's not heavy in the same respect of like watching Game of Thrones back-to-back episodes, but it's just, it distill the impact in the thought process. Cause at the end of that, you really do find yourself thinking every episode. There's some element that you're just kind of like, Whoa. And then when you get the gusts, the Gus story, 
I I absolutely had to watch that again. In fact, that's how this whole thing started about me watching the the series again was I wanted to watch the Gus episode because the elements and everything that go into play and how the explanation comes through and what we get for the visual storytelling, especially with Will Forte's character. And it is just so, so good. And I really, I cannot applaud this series enough I really think that if you're not or have not watched Sweet Tooth, you really need to add it to your queue. I know there's a lot going on. I know there's a lot of other shows and movies out there. In fact, I was going to talk about Jolt, which is absolutely hilarious, um, and and a train wreck. But it, it's entertaining. But I really, this was where, at the end of the week... I wanted to watch something. Jolt, of course, was at the top of the list. There's a couple of other things in there. But I end up back on Sweet Tooth just because of the the feels involved with it. And I, I, I can't stress that enough. And I think this, this is where, where you should go. Watch this. Uh, if you haven't, if you have, let me know your thoughts. Because I could be wrong. It happens from time to time. Who knows? <laughs> but I'm not right all of the time, but I think this one time I just might be. Uh, and that's my take on Sweet Tooth. Well, that about wraps it up, actually. Um, there's not a whole else, lot going on. Please, like I said, go check out the Outworld Bazaar. Also coming up this month, the 22nd, the beer release party for Colorado Festival of Horror is set and ready to go. The uh, Elixir Immortus will be unveiled, and everyone will have a chance to have a nice little tasty sip of it at Outworld, uh, Outworld Brewing's launch party for the Colorado Festival of Horror. Check out their Facebook page. Uh, it's closing in. Tickets are available now as we speak. Uh, I will be there, of course. Red will be there premiering her new book. Um, Susie won't. She's she's going to Florida. She's too good for us. <laughs> uh, in addition, there will be a lot of other guests of honor. Steve Niles, Victoria Price, and uh, so, so many more. So check it out. We would love to see you. But first, come and, and drink with us. Because nothing says love quite like bonding over beers. But in the meantime, we will see you next week. Uh, we'll have an interview with a local author who has his new book coming out. Joe Valen will be sitting in with us in addition to what other kind of craziness that I can come up with between then and now. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind.